Lynn Hiles Ministries presents Dr. Lynn Hiles That You Might Have Life. And here's your host, Dr. Lynn Hiles. Welcome back to the program again today. And as you can see again, I have on the set with me today my oldest son, Jeremy, who is the pastor of Word That Frees, a uh, group that he's planted in Winchester, Virginia. They have been without a facility now for over a year because of the place they were meeting during COVID closed down and they've not reopened or allowed them to use that building. Might be a good thing if you know someplace and you live in Winchester and you're watching and you know of a place that uh, they could use, uh, contact us or contact them and uh, they, they could sure use a place right now. But he's been sharing some things online with his uh, online uh, services, and he's been talking a lot about the book of Joshua. And for the last two weeks, he and I have been on the program talking about the, the book of Joshua. It's just a powerful picture uh, in, in the book of Joshua. So it's really a great privilege to have you on the program again, uh, Jeremy, and to just share some of these things, because I think that what the book of Joshua to me really pictures is it's, it, it's moving from an old covenant slave mentality to a new covenant son mentality. Yeah. Under the old covenant, we were slaves. In the new covenant, we're sons. Yeah. Uh, in the old covenant, it was about a law you had to keep. In the new covenant, it's about receiving a life that'll mm -hmm. keep you. And one of the things I was thinking about, and I'll let you jump in wherever you want to, but one of the things I was thinking about in the last conversation is you talked about the hill of the foreskins, where they circumcised the people again, that there was a whole generation that came out of Egypt. Yep. Now, what we've done in the past two, couple of programs, by the way, if you've missed them, you can go back to our YouTube channel, and they're archived. There are our iTunes or our uh, RSS feed. They're the easiest way to do that is go to my website, upper right-hand corner. There's a direct link to them where they can listen to them again. But you were talking about the hill of foreskins. But the, the scripture says that there was a whole generation that came out of Egypt that were not circumcised. Uh -huh. So they had to circumcise them again before they could go into the promised land. Now we know under the old covenant, that was the token of the covenant. Uh -huh. But in the new covenant, God is not calling us to circumcise the flesh of the foreskin, but the circumcision is that of the heart. Yeah. And even the book of Deuteronomy hints towards that, that that's what God was really looking for was a heart condition. But I was thinking while we were talking about that a few minutes ago, that when they came out of Egypt, we have, we have declared and preached, and I think established pretty well in the last two programs, that Egypt is a type of legalism and religion. But there's a lot of people that came out. My generation, I've really been a pioneer in the gospel of grace, yeah. really been a pioneer in the new covenant. But I think there's a generation among us that's, that were never exposed to the whips and chains, so to speak, yeah. of Egypt. And... Uh, I believe the Lord is even circumcising the hearts of those who were not under that. That is, yeah. once again, but because uh, I've said it like this, law, if you preach the law, it can change your behavior, but grace will change your heart. Yep. Both of them seem to get, you know, behavior modification. Mm -hmm. But one is because you're under the servitude of slavery of a slave master, and a threat of fear, and the other one's because you've had a circumcision in your mm -hmm. heart. And I don't know if you can jump in there anywhere or not, but that's kind of, you know, I was thinking that that's really one of the things I believe God's doing in this hour is He's, he's transforming people's hearts. Yeah. He's really doing an inward work. And yeah. sometimes that looks a little messy, yep. you know, so. Yeah, you know, when you think they were 40 years in that that wilderness, uh, 
Jesus said, this generation will not pass in Matthew 24 until yeah. all these things come come to pass. And he's talking about the destruction of Jerusalem. And it's a 40-year transition yeah. period. Uh, and so, uh, you know, in that 40-year transition period is coming out of, you know, even yeah. in, that, in that day of Jesus, from that time that he spoke that until the fall of Jerusalem in AD 70, there was a whole bunch of people that had grown up in yep. the legalism of the Mosaic system, you know, doing their animal sacrifices, doing their daily rituals and prayers and and different things. And, and, and you know, uh, God was bringing a transition through, you know, again, the 12 disciples and then those that were converted uh, to bring them into an understanding of sonship and that the kingdom was not just going to be, you know, neither again will you wor- either worship in this mountain or this mountain, yep. but, you you know, there was a be able to worship God wherever yeah, you worship in the spirit and truth. And so, uh, you know, and I look at that same thing as you're taking places that, you know, they had 40 years in this wilderness, and then they come to the Hill of Foreskin. They had never been, there's a whole, you know, generation of people, never been circumcised, never. And that circumcision was not an old covenant act, even in, in from that Moses, perspective. It yeah. was, Abraham. you know, that was an Abrahamic covenant, yeah. you know, and that was a co- and Abraham's covenant was not a covenant of works and, and labors. Yeah. It was a covenant of faith. He, he received it by faith. And so he, God was bringing, again, when he brings them into this promised land, he 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 re, he reminds them of the act of the the covenant of Moses, you know, and that this is a this is a this is a covenant of faith, and he brings them in. But I had to think, you know, I was thinking when you were thinking about, you know, because again, they had grown up in slavery. All this generation probably knew was living in a wilderness, yeah. even. So they're all their, you know, so uh, the story, tent, they're yeah. living in tents. They're following the script. Their daily their daily understanding for forty years. Is that you know that there's manna that comes down. You gather just enough for the day that you need it on the on the Sabbath. You gather twice as much. You know we we follow this cloud. We we do all this stuff. You know, and that's their mentality. All the stories they probably heard from their parents is that you know well you know we used to we used to live in Egypt and they probably heard even stories. You know we used to have these leeks and garlics. Now we're at you know and their 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 whole mindset has been. Is that God is a provider, but it's just we're just having enough. It's just a it, it, he's he's good to bring us what we need for this day. We're living from miracle to miracle. We're living from miracle to miracle. Revival then, to revival. Yeah. You know, then then they they, they cross this Jordan. It's a, again, it's a generation that the previous generation had saw the Red Sea open up before them. They had saw the the enemy of the Egyptians swallowed up, but this generation had never seen that. They've only heard the stories. Joshua brings them to the bank of the Jordan, tells them, prepare your victuals, we're going to cross, we're going to cross this Jordan. They're probably in their mind going, you know, this river, because it's about the time that the, the Jordan overflows its bank this time of year. So it's not just a, you know, it's we got a raging river going on here. And Joshua tells them, just keep your eye on the priests that carry the ark. And so again, they've heard stories, but they've never experienced God opening the Red Sea. They just heard the stories of it. I just when you were saying about a generation who's never experienced some things, it just really struck me. Even with this, is that they had they had heard stories, but they'd never experienced it. Yet God was going to bring them to an experience of yeah. it as well. They weren't going to miss out. Yeah, they come to the banks of this Jordan, but this time instead of just a rod that opens it up, they see the mercy seat. They see, and and the mercy seat is a picture of Christ. Yeah, they're going to see the deliverance of Christ. Not just open up a sea, but draw, take a river back, yeah. a raging river. Yeah, and they begin to walk in you on. Know, you know, let me just say this mm-hmm. as well because I feel like it's really important. Is it said now Jordan was out of its banks 
all the time of harvest. One of the indicators that it's time to cross over is when Jordan's out of control. Yep. That river that flowed from the city of Adam was death. Mm -hmm. And you know, we, we're, we're living in a situation right now, uh, kind of like that that's going on in the world mm -hmm. when Jordan's out of its banks, but we must carry an ark. Yep. Go ahead. You know, I just wanted to say that because it just, yep. it, I, I thought before I forgot that Jordan was out of its banks. God yep. didn't wait till the river was low. Yep. He didn't wait till the, you know, there was a, a drought somewhere and they could find the rocks crossing. No. Or was it a small miracle for him? He's trying yeah. to show them just how powerful his, powerful. their God is for them and not Preach against them. them. Yeah. And so when that ark steps into the middle of that, 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 that Jordan, the Jordan goes back here, back again to the city of, of Adam. Adam. He says, he tells like the leaders of the tribes, he says, I want you to take a stone from the middle of this Jordan because we're going to set up a monument on the other side to remind for future generations. Yeah that don't experience this miracles, they're going to see the rocks that came out of this Jordan and know that, that we did this. We came across on dry land. This is the miracles that God did. And I think about, you know, as they, they crossed that, that Jordan at that time, they came across again. It said that the, on that day, once they got across, the manna ceased, but they ate of the corn, the old corn of the land. And so in other words, they weren't just, eat, you know, they weren't just eating enough to get by. But even in that time, before they had actually entered into the whole inheritance of what God had for them. They're eating again from an abundance of just old stuff. Yeah. You know, there's an abundance of something that's here. It's the old corn of the land. Yeah. There's an abundance here yeah. that's enough to sustain these three million people yeah. while they're recovering from the circumcision. They're not going out and harvesting. Yeah. They're not going out and, 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 and gathering up food and stuff because they are all recovering from the circumcision that they, are, that they came to. And so uh, they're, while they're recovering, they're eating from an abundance of this land that's just the old stuff of this yep. land. But I thought about even, you know, as you were saying, you know, is that when they got to, you had to think you, by the first time you entered in to the first people that began to receive their inheritance and began to move into houses, they did not build. I have to think that they probably remembered the, living in that wilderness, living in tents. Yep. And just getting by and just having enough to get by and just... This was their life yep. and the story, all the stories that their parents had told them about well, when we were slaves in Egypt, we had this. You have to think the first ones that began to move in the houses, they did not build. And they began to have some abundance to it. Yeah, They had to start, you, you, their mind had to change yeah. and go, wow, look how far we've come. Look how far God yep. has brought us. Yep. We've come a mighty long way. Yep. And began to, you know, and it was a generation that had, again, they had never, they had, all they had ever experienced was this wilderness experience of just getting by and to begin to move into the houses you did not build. And then I think about, you know, I think about Caleb, who was the only, the, he, him and Joshua were the only two spies of the 12 that came back with a good report. And it says that, Josh, that Caleb, he was 40 years old the first time he went in and spied out the land. And he told him, he says, People, he tried to steal the people that were murmuring and saying, it's bad, we can't do this, we're just already defeated, we just live here in this wilderness. And it robbed a whole generation of being able to enter in. Yep. And especially, I think about Caleb, who was, he was only, him and Joshua were about the only ones that got to enter in from that other generation. And he had, you know, he had spent 40 years wandering around in a wilderness, knowing all along he had already seen his inheritance. He had already seen. Yeah. He had already he had seen the house yeah. that God had provided for him, and he's forty years being robbed of living in that house and eating from that vineyard. Yep. He's just getting by, and he comes to Caleb at one point, and he goes, "Caleb," he said, "I'm I, he says I'm eighty years old now. 
I was 40 years old when we, when we spied out this land the first time. He says, but I know that this place over here is the house that God built for me. He says, I'm going up to possess my possession. He goes up, and the place that he possessed, there are two giants in that place. He's going to prove at 80 years old. He says, because I know that I'm just as strong now as I was when the yep. first time. And he says, I've let people rob me of my inheritance long enough. I'm going to go get my house. Yeah. And it was a giant house because there was two giants living there. He goes in there and kicks two giants' butt just to prove to that. I think he did it just to prove to that generation we could have had this all along. If an I think old he was showing, can do it, you and can do it. Now, I think he was showing a generation. Yeah. I think, you know, when I think about even the importance of fathers, true, true spiritual fathers, I know there's been some abuse over the whole father-son stuff and, and ministry, but I believe true fathers, and, and you're an example of that because that's how you've been with us, go and show you. They don't just talk about it. I think Caleb went up there against those two giants just to even prove to that whole generation and say, look, I'm telling you, this isn't by might nor by power. This is by the Spirit of the Lord. It is Him who does the work. And if I could do it at 40, I could definitely do it at 80. And I want to show you people. Just I want to show this generation. I think there are some fathers. I think there's some importance of some fathers right now that are showing a generation that, like you said, have never experienced some of the stuff that is showing them just how powerful God is and how powerful He is even in this day to bring them to a place that begins to change our mind and our mentality of just what God wants to do with us and for us. I think that when we look at, you know, when you think about Caleb who had lived in that wilderness, along with that whole generation that had never been circumcised, and then at 80 years old, he goes up and begins to fight this giant. And I think, I, I think of that as this, you know, there are, some, there are some real spiritual fathers in this day that are still teaching some people the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Ghost, the importance of, you know, uh, uh, even of, of living a righteous life. Yeah. Living holy. Yeah. Teaching your children how to pray, how to, you know, uh, you know, I, I think about, you know, my wife and I, we've been married for 14 years. And uh, yeah, I think, you know, I've seen so many marriages fall apart. But we have, and we, we look at it and hear people go, you know, well, it's so. You know, it's just such hard work. It's so hard work to be married and, and to stay married. And I, and we're like, I don't think this is hard. Yeah. <laughs> you know, this is, I, we enjoy one another. We enjoy our yeah. life. You know, there's some times where, yeah, there's some challenges, but for the, I, I enjoy my life with my wife and I enjoy being with her. And I think that's, I think there is important, and I, but I've learned that not just from you and my, and mom, but uh, from her mom and dad as well, who've had, both have had longevity of marriage and happiness in marriage. And we've learned that from them, that this isn't meant to be difficult. They're meant to be your partner. You're yeah. enjoy it. And I think that we've heard even some, just some, some bad stuff from other people. This time we need some fathers like Caleb to stand up and say, that's a giant. If you think that giant, if you think the giant of staying married is hard, let me show you how to defeat two of them. Yeah. Show you how to live this life, how to that there, you know. That I, I hope I, I don't know if I'm saying this, if I'm, I'm making this clear or not. But there, I, I think about that, you know, Joshua or Caleb going up there against those two giants, and he went in and he had, he got his inheritance that he knew he could have had 40 years ago. But he was also showing another generation just how much God was for them, how much He was not against them, how He wanted to bring them into the full again. Because we get to, Caleb did that, but we're still in chapter 18 and only two of the tribes had received their inheritance yep. in this land. He's trying to show them, look, 
there's not just, you don't have to just get by with just enough. There's an abundance of this, yeah. this kingdom. There's an abundance of righteousness for yeah. you. Yeah. There's an abundance of joy that you're able to have don't right settle. now in this yeah. life. There's an abundance of peace. You know, I, I think about, you know, when I, was, when I really start realizing that was the kingdom, to live in the kingdom was righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Then it's really began to change my whole mentality of how I live in this world because I start realizing, man, I am the righteous of God in Christ. Yeah. And there's an abundance of his righteousness living inside of me. And it's it's still teaching me, it's still leading, guiding me into all truth, it's still showing me who I am and how to live as a son of God. Just as G, you know, Jesus would say to his disciples, Don't marvel at this. Greater things than these will you do. Righteous, the more I'm understanding my righteousness of Christ, the more I'm understanding there's an abundance of things I'm able to do as a son of God. And it begins to bring me a real peace with God. I'm not worried. I don't, you know, I remember as a kid, I I, I heard the other stuff. And I remember laying my head down on my pillow at night because they would say, you know, you got to remember all your sins and name them one by one. And I would lay my head on the pillow and I would pray and try to remember all the things I'd done wrong as a teenager. And especially as a teenager, you know, because you're, you're learning and you're making mistakes and you're, you know, and you're, you're caught. And I would, you know, I'm like telling God, I remember telling God. I remember, again, I remember when I moved to Ohio for the first time and, and you know, I, I was just really struggling with some Christians that were really just coming against me and God began on the grace. I remember laying my hand on my Bible. And I'm sitting in the basement. I told the Lord, I said, show me where I'm wrong and I'll fix it. Because you know I don't want to disappoint you. You know I want to live for you. And when I began to open that Bible, God began to, that's when real, my real repentance, my real mind change began to happen. Mm -hmm. Because I began to, God began to open up scripture says, you are the righteous of God, Christ. You were made to be righteous. You are, uh, you are a son of God. You are, and it began to change my whole, I didn't have to work to get God's approval. Yep. I started realizing I was already approved by yep. him. And when I got that, it, it, it just brought this peace to me that I didn't, I wasn't worried about if God was mad at me anymore. If I, you know, was I going to make it to heaven? All of a sudden I realized, all of a sudden the doors of heaven opened up to me where I realized I'm not, I don't have to wait to get there. Yeah. I, I can live in it right here, right now. I can yeah. have the abundance of heaven right here in this life. And when that began to happen, I had that peace there. Then all of a sudden the joy just began to happen. I have a joy of living life. I began to have a joy of living as a Christian and, and being one with God and began to walk in this. And I, but it, you know, and then, then I, I, you know, you came along and began to see the same stuff, but teach it even, you know, with some more clarity and ability as a father who, like a Caleb, who went in and began to show us, here's some giants, and this is how you defeat the giants of this land and begin to live in the abundance of the promised land. And what it does is it encouraged me to rise up and get my giant house. Yeah. You know, I, I said in Tulsa this past year, I said, you know, I said, I liked living. There was a time in my life I liked living at home, you know, because mom, pretty, mom mom's pretty good, <laughs> pretty good to us. You know, she's she going to make sure you get fed. <laughs> she's going to make sure your clothes are clean, clean, your bed's, bed's made. made. I had a pretty easy. A magic house. Yeah, right? it was, I had a pretty easy there, and I, and I enjoyed that. There was an abundance there, but that wasn't my giant house. Mm -hmm. There was only so much that I could do in that environment, and it was good, but that wasn't my giant house. It wasn't, me it wasn't the place I was meant to live. And then when I began to move out and begin to find out there was a giant house for me that had some good stuff in it, you know, and I had a wife and some kids that was going to be some, and God began to multiply my life. And, and it was not something that was stressful. It was just the abundance of joy coming more and more in life. Our kid, and when our kids came along, you know, we had our first one, and I thought that was pretty cool. 
you know, and, and, and it was pretty abundant. And then the second one comes along and she's got a whole different type of personality, yep. a whole different, but it just added to the joy. And, yep. you know, my wife, she'll sometimes say, you know, I liked them when they were babies and I just wish they could stay babies forever. And I'm like, I just enjoy in every stage yep. of it. You know, I when they were babies, it was nice, they, you know, and stuff. But I enjoy as they get older too, and I'm able to do other things with them and, and explore life. I've got my seven-year-old, and everybody who knows me knows I love Star Wars, and you know we. So, I, but I've got my girls into Star Wars, and my seven-year-old she can have a conversation about Star Wars and keep up with me pretty good about it, you know. And, and seeing those things and 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 being a part of that and just laughing and, and smiling yeah. when you see yourself in them, but also their personalities developing and them becoming their own people, and you know, and all that. That stuff that's involved in that it's the abundance of the kingdom the abundance of joy just begins to be multiplied and keeps growing and growing and that my giant house that i thought was pretty big when i first moved into it keeps getting bigger yep and it keeps getting more abundant and the the, the vineyard that i'm able to eat from is becoming more and more fulfilling to me and more and more delicious the more i just begin to know that this is god doing this and i just get to be a part of it and i get to enjoy the journey. And as I look, when I think about, you know, just how important it is for even some Caleb's in this day to show that generation, to show a generation like us. Mm-hmm. And we can cross this Jordan and show us the miracles, bring us to a place of the hill of foreskin where we see the old stuff just cut away and there's a new creation that we get to experience. And then to begin to really enter into these houses that for a long time people told us it was a pipe dream almost. Yeah. It'll be great one day. Oh, when this happens to some Caleb's that are really showing us how to receive those houses yep. we did not build. So a whole generation begins to move in to this promised land and receive their inheritance. Mm-hmm. And that's where I think God has us right now. Why? Like I said, when I started teaching some stuff, I was strategic about how I want to get online and teach this because I think there's some generation that needs to hear some stuff that keep, doesn't keep them, keep hoping for something, yeah. but gets them to the door of their house and say, just go in and go in and receive it. Yep. And I think, you know, I think while you're saying that, that scripture says this, it said, because of the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness, we reign in life by one Christ Jesus. Not when we get to heaven, we get to reign in life. Yep. And I think about it myself and the, uh, you know, the quality of life, the real gospel has brought yeah. us, and to not just us, but everybody that we've really impacted. I, I look at the impact. I said to my wife the other night, sitting on the porch, I said, if it's over tomorrow, we did something that mattered. Yep. Because I look at the generation that followed us, and all of our family, a lot of our cousins, nephews, nieces, family, a lot of them serving God, and never felt like they were pushed away because God was angry with them or they didn't measure up, or they wasn't good enough. And and you start to live in the freedom that Christ gave us, and you start to say, you mean I can enjoy this journey? And you find out, see, I think sometimes people sang songs like, uh, you know, in the sweet by and by, or want to be wonderful then, or one more valley, one more hill, because what we did was we preached a religious concept that became a thief to people's lives. And it even alienated us even from our families because yeah. we felt like we had to be, you know, uh, the uh, uh, you know, the church police, so to speak, mm-hmm. or make sure they kept the rules. I was with a pastor recently in North Carolina, 
and uh, you know, in Olive Grove, North Carolina, Pastor Russ Emanuel, by the way, just give you a shout out there at uh, his church in Olive Grove. And he told me when he first got saved, he said, I got up on the altar and they gave me a piece of paper with a list of rules on it. He said, I just got up on the altar. And so he said, I, I, I thought, man, I can't keep all these rules. So he said, I walked away from God. And he said, I stayed away from God. He said, and I, I got married. Or I, he said, I was dating the, the woman that I'm now married to. And he said, she wanted to go to church. So we go to church. He said, first thing I know, I look up, she's up at the altar. And he said, I stuck my head and thought, he said, I just laughed. I thought, she don't know what she just got into. They're going to give you the rules here in just a minute. You know, and you're going to find out that you thought you didn't, you know, you thought you came to Jesus and just like buy the timeshare, you can't get out of this. And so, but what he said, when I began to discover the gospel of grace, that whole region impacted down there by several pastors that were touching and uh, said, man, you know, when you begin to find out the freedom that's in Christ and yeah. that it's not about rules, it's about a relationship. It's not about a law you have to keep. It's about a life that'll keep you. Uh, th- you know, then you, you begin to enjoy this journey. And the first thing you know, see, I think that's the thing that Jesus said, the life becomes the light, you know. And in other words, I used to think that meant, you know, I can remember my mom saying, well, I saw a saint of God today because of the glow on her face, you know. And, mm-hmm. and I'm thinking to myself as a young man, mom, that's not a glow on her face. That's a shine from no makeup because it was a sin to wear mm-hmm. makeup. And and because she's dressed like you and she looks like you. And I'm not opposed yeah. to people feel like that's their conviction. But what I'm saying is, as we say, well, what a testimony this woman was to the world. What a light she was to the world. Except the world's looking at you. Mean, you mean your God makes you look like this? Yeah. That you can't dress in stylish? You can't look good? You can't uh, have pride in your appearance? I mean, it, that's not a light to me. But when you see a life that's full of quality, that, you know, even even we've twisted scripture where Jesus said, you know, straight is the gate narrow is the way that leads to life. Not heaven, mm-hmm. life, and few there be that find it. Wide is the gate, broad is the way that leads to destruction, meaning there be that go in there. But really the straight and narrow there is not performance Christianity. The straight and narrow was Jesus because in the next chapter or so he says, I'm the way, yeah. I'm the door. And there's few that were finding the way to life was through him, not the law of Moses or through old covenant paradigms, because that was taking your life. Because, you know, in my book, The Great I Am, I have a whole chapter on this where he's talking about, you know, uh, verily, verily, I send to you, he that entereth not by the door, but climbs up into the sheepfold some other way, the same as a thief and the robber. The thief of John 10 is not the devil. It's when you think there's some other way into the sheepfold, then through the door, which is Christ, it becomes a thief to you. So religion can rob you, it can steal from you, it can prevent you from living in houses you didn't build and eating from vineyards you did not plant and entering into the finished work of Jesus Christ where the diet changes and we feed on the old corn, which is again a picture of the finished work of Jesus because he said, except the corn of wheat fall to the earth and die, it abides alone. And when you start to feed on his finished work and your diet starts to shift, it does exactly what it did to you in Ohio, it shifts you to says, wait a minute, this is not about after a while. This is about right here. And I think that's the paradigm shift that's happening right now on the planet. Well, we're about to run out of time again. We're going to come back again next week. I'm going to have Jeremy on again next week, and we're going to talk about this some more. I'm being blessed. I don't know about you, but I'm being encouraged. This has helped me today. Uh, If you would like to sow into this ministry to help us to be able to take the gospel around the world, 
please do it by going to our website. There's an easy way to do it there by giving via PayPal. You can use your credit card, debit card there to give a one-time gift, or you can set up a recurring monthly gift if you'd like to become a monthly partner, or you can send a check or money order to the address that will come on the screen, or you can call the number that's on the screen and someone will take your call. If you don't get an answer, leave a message and they will call you back whenever we have a free line. God bless you. Thanks for joining us. I am excited to announce the release of my latest book titled, The Great I Am. In this book, we will explore the seven times in the Gospel of John that Jesus says, I am. When he uses that phrase, it is always in contrast to something from the Old Covenant. For instance, they thought Moses and the law was the door into the sheepfold, but Jesus said to them, I am the door. They thought that Israel was the true vine, but Jesus said to them, I am the vine, you are the branches. As you read the pages of this book, you will discover that Jesus removed the covenant of death and replaced it with the covenant of life. Get your copy of the book, The Great I Am, today.